I think maybe it's fair to say she's like a little bit more cautious or like more um, protective of her energy as far as like who she's gonna be around, what she's gonna give energy to, which I think is really important. I hope she doesn't put up with anyone else's shit. I just hope that she just lives the way she wants to live. I feel like she advocates for herself more, like not just like medically, but also just like in the rest of her life, where I feel like she was always the one to be like, yes, 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 like I'll. I'll take care of this. I'll take care of that. Like, I feel like she's now more focusing on like taking care of herself, which is nice to see just, you know, for somebody that always puts other people first, like it's nice to see them like shift the focus onto themselves. Hi everyone. Welcome to season two. This is Shauna. And this is Rosalina. And we're your hosts for Too Young for This Shit podcast. This podcast is not just about boobs, but a journey with cancer. We are young millennials open about giving you our raw and unfiltered look into our lives. We are in no way medical professionals, nor are we offering medical advice. Any medical references are cited directly from public websites or from our personal diagnosis. Some topics and stories may be triggering to those who are fighting, have fought, or have loved someone with cancer. Hi, guys. Hey. So today I'm really excited because I have my brother and my sister on. We're interviewing them today. My sister's name is Caitlin, but I've never in my life have ever called her Caitlin. We call her Scooter. And I have my brother Lenny on. And we also have another brother, Charlie, who couldn't be here today. But um, yeah, I'm really excited to have them on and kind of, you know, hear what you know, their thoughts on me being diagnosed and, and everything else that comes with a cancer diagnosis. So I'm um, really excited to have them. So welcome. Hi. Hi. So before we dive deep into the questions, I want our listeners to get to know you. Can you guys give like a brief intro on what you want the listeners to know about? Scoot, you can go first. Hi, my name is Scooter or Caitlin. Doesn't matter. I'm 32. I live in upstate New York. I am a vet tech. You're a cat mom. I'm a cat mom of two cats. I just got a kitten. He's doing something he's not supposed to be doing right now. So, <laughs> And Lenny, tell us about you. Lenny, or people call me Len. I'm 30. I'm a contractor. And I love my siblings. Oh my gosh, it's so cute. Love you too. <laughs> <laughs> Sucking up already. <laughs> Money's like, I need the brownie points. (laughs) Scooter and Lenny, in your own words, how would you describe who Shauna is? Shauna is a caretaker. She takes care of everybody before she takes care of herself. I feel like she's always the person that's, you can rely on, like, if you need anything like you need to talk to somebody like you call Shauna you need help with something you call Shauna like she's kind of like the go-to person whatever you need like she's gonna be the one to help you with it how about you Lenny she's queen bee a queen bee (laughs) (laughs) the quintessential older sister (laughs) she's uh number one she was always number one took on a lot of responsibility at a young age with all of us if I go into who really she is to me I'm gonna fucking cry and I'm not doing that on camera she's number one and she's me. So that's all I I've cried plenty of times on this podcast, so don't worry. I, I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I get like really like anxious, I've done this from like a young age. Like I will 100% remove myself from a situation. So I will literally get up and leave. 
I gotta be like, I gotta go. And like my brother just like, my brother knows like when I'm anxious or like whatever. And he'll look at me dead in the face and be like, you gotta go. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm out. And just I'll leave. So that's, that's, that's what really he's nice. saying. Yeah. yeah. I'm also that way too. When I get anxious and I need to cry. Yeah. I like get up. <laughs> just like, yeah. Leave. Cause I don't yeah, like crying it's, in front it's of people. Cried in front of people a bunch, but it's just like, it's a fight or flight. Like I just need to remove myself so that I can breathe. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Lenny, what type of relationship do you have with Shauna? Obviously, it seems like you guys are close. (laughs) But anything else? Uh, She's my older sister. It's like interesting when you have um, people in your life, you have like different levels of connection with them. And like, I can say like, I have different things that me and Shona identify with more. And then me and Scooter have different things I identify with more. Shona's uh, just, uh, you know, older sibling was always like there (laughs) just for every situation. It was like, oh, yo, uh, need you. (laughs) I go had a little situation with high school where um, a parent had to pick me up and the police were involved. It's like, oh, Shona, can you come pick me up? Like, like she was always, <laughs> she was always like there. Like they would get in trouble in school. Like yo, Shauna, like don't tell mom. But like, <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh uh, yeah, no, who forgets? Right? Every family has like an older sibling. If they have, you know, if it's multiple kids, and usually, generally speaking, there's like a role that the older sibling has, and Shauna fills that role. Scooter, what type of relationship do you have with Shauna? I know you guys are just like a few months apart. From each other i mean we're definitely closer now than we were when we were younger we couldn't stand each other when we lived in the same house but now that we're older like we have a very good relationship like we talk almost like every yeah. day if it's not talking it's like texting yeah. or like we send each other news articles <laughs> daily <laughs> we're probably both on an fbi watch list together i probably talk to her more than i talk to anybody else like i talk you know like i said i talk to her in some way shape or form every single day of our happy places is like when we're seeing live music and, and it's nice too. Cause she'll be like, Oh, like I want to get tickets to this. And do you want to go? Like, there's been a couple of shows that like, she wasn't like, you know, like a big fan, but like she went, yeah, you just know, and like just going. like really enjoyed herself. Yeah. My concert buddy. Let's get into Shauna's cancer diagnosis right from the beginning. So Scooter, after discovering that your sister had cancer, what was on your mind at that time? I almost like didn't really believe it. Like it just kind of didn't really seem possible, I guess. I don't know. It was just, it was surreal almost because we had talked about her having like feeling something like a while back and then it turned out to be nothing. And then when it came back up again, that she was going, I was like, oh, well, it was nothing before. So it's probably nothing now. So I really honestly did not expect that news at all. So I was kind of like blindsided. So was it something that like you didn't really hear or like expect a young person to get cancer? Well, yeah. I mean, I had like a cancer scare years ago and mine turned out to be completely nothing. And then Lenny had like a lump that turned out to be nothing. So I was kind of just like, oh, well, mine was nothing. His was nothing. So hers has got to right, be nothing. Right. So yeah, I didn't really, and especially since she is so young, like it was just just really unexpected exactly how about you Lenny what what was on your mind at the time when Shauna was first diagnosed my mind went blank when I uh, found out it didn't make sense it didn't register and I like handle like really shitty news like really weird I just kind of like draw blanks and I'm like 
what do I say? What you know what I mean? Um, it didn't make any sense to me. Like she was so young and healthy. I knew she had some other like annoying little like health things going on in her life. Like me and her both are like allergic to like weird things. And like, I, if you don't mind me <laughs> saying, I think like she's allergic to the color blue or something. Like I am, yeah, <laughs> cobalt. <laughs> Yeah, and Lenny's allergic to temperature. <laughs> oh my god! It's like it's really weird, and like as we've gotten older, it's like weird because like we used to be like you know we grew up together so young and healthy, and then you don't talk about like your health when you're in your teens. Like it's all about like fun things, and then like once you get older, mid twenties, like talking about like health stuff, it's like what the hell's going on? You know what I mean? It's just not. I, I can't handle that. It's weird for me. But uh, yeah, it sucked. <laughs> you're so right about like in your teens. Who talks about health? right like all you talk about is like what you did (laughs) like the next thing that's happening in your life and I think nine times out of ten when you're a teenager like trying to even figure out what you're feeling like you know like I was diagnosed with like anxiety in my like late teens and you know not being able to like figure out what's going on so yeah and like also the the dynamic of like I'm young and I'm in high school and I'm just like ready to get, you know, like start my life. And you're just not that focusing on that. Yeah, you're right. There was also a thing too. I'd like to add that like, I was like so mad like for her because like, I'm sure you know her, like I'm sure we, she's discussed her like upbringing and stuff. And it was like, I was like, can this fucking shit get a break, man? Like what the fuck? Like I was so mad at like whatever power I believe in or like anything i'm just like are you freaking kidding me like it was just like how much can one person take yeah yeah before they snap and i'm like and the worst part is like being her brother it's like i would do anything for any of them and it's like i can't do anything about this i'm like fuck like it's just it sucks she's strong though sometimes you hit your breaking points throughout the journeys right oh gosh yeah yeah no too many times (laughs) let's go back to you scooter so what was the most challenging part of this journey that your family had to go through? I mean, like for me, it's just, I, like Lenny said before, like, I felt like there really wasn't anything I could do. So that was hard for me, like trying to be there for somebody in a way that she needed, but I've never been through that. So I didn't know how to be there for her the way that she needed. So like trying to figure out like how I could help her, but also not, not make things worse, but I know for me, I'm kind of like, I was, I think a little much at some, sometimes like trying to be too helpful and I had to kind of back off a little bit, but I think just like the feeling of, I want to help. I want to do something. I just don't know what I can do. And kind of like Lenny said, like, there's really nothing you can do to change it. You can just be there to support. And also like, I live kind of far, like I live an hour and a half, not being able to like physically be there with her through a lot of it too was challenging. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Especially being so far. Yeah. How about you, Lenny? What was the most challenging part of this journey for you? It's kind of just like complimenting what Scooter said. Like, it's just, I didn't know what to say to her. Like, I would call her and just be like, oh, hey. And like, usually you start a conversation with like, oh, hi, how you doing? And like, Shauna's really like, she's like me. She's like, wise ass this. And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm great. I just did fucking chemo. Like, I'm awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Was that on Tassel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. Lenny and I have like a very, very similar humor. Like I can kind of say like, oh, like the fucked up things. I could say it's a scooter too. I don't know if I could have said it to you. I mean, I guess maybe towards the end of chemo, but like in the very beginning, like I don't, that felt like I couldn't do like that type of joke with you. But Lenny, a hundred percent. And he gives it back to me, which I like need a little bit. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. No, I, I don't think I like verbally joked with you, but the memes. Yeah, we did send a lot of memes. <laughs> we have a sibling chat and like Shona would go on these tirades of like like memes and I'm like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> it doesn't like it was, but I knew it was like a good like healthy outlet for her. One of them was like conversations in your mid thirties. It was like, Oh yeah, I'm getting married, having kids, oh we're going on vacation, this like, oh I'm trying to fucking stay alive. <laughs> it's like Jesus. I mean though it was kind of good though yeah, to like that, yeah. I mean, I think it definitely helps keep the spirits up a little bit for sure. <laughs> the hardest part, too, is like, again, you don't know what to say. I was talking to her and she said something that like really like resonated where she was like, I'm sick and tired of everyone giving me like toxic positivity. And I was like, well, what does that mean? And she was like, well, it's like you're not validated. She said that like someone said to her, like if she was going to lose her hair, it was like, oh, don't worry, it'll grow back. It's like, okay, great. It's weird because when you go through something in life, like an outsider will always like say everything to make you feel better. Like, oh, no, it's okay. You'll get over it. Oh, don't worry about it. Oh, you're young, this, that, blah, blah, blah. I tried not to invalidate what she was going through. The only thing like I said was just like, oh, just take it one day at a time or whatever. Um, and if you need anything. And um, luckily her boyfriend, Matt, was um, really helpful towards her and i would ask her like oh do you need anything do you need me to bring you anything do you want me to do this she's like no i'm fine that was the real mvp scooter is education on health and cancer talked about in your family prior to um our aunt getting sick it wasn't and then when she did get sick my mom's side of the family didn't really have much to say about it but my dad was very adamant about me going and getting the genetic testing it was like the time when the BRCA gene was like all the rage, everybody was doing it. So he was very adamant about me going and getting that done. I did. It came back negative. And then after that, it was just, it was it. I was negative and there was no more conversation about it. And so that was back in 2012? Yeah, right after um, our aunt Donna passed away. And Shauna, actually, did your father push you to get the BRCA test as well? I don't think we ever talked about that. Uh, Yeah. So I ended up going to my general practitioner's office um, at the time and asking about the test. And I was having like insurance issues, which now actually like makes sense. Like now that I've been genetically tested and like seeing the whole process after being diagnosed, like I understand that I can't just like walk into my general practitioner's like office and be like, give me a DNA test, you know? So I had some insurance issues and they didn't cover it, but she also had mentioned like, if your sister is negative, there's a very, very good chance you are as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Kind of going back, Scooter, you know, at the beginning of our discussion, you mentioned that your father pushed you to get the BRCA test and it came back negative. But knowing that your sister had breast cancer and it gave you the push to get yourself checked. What type of medical care have you pushed? I didn't know where to start, really. Went to the gynecologist, and then she sent me to somebody, and then they sent me to somebody. And then I ended up with like a surgical oncologist who like specializes in like breast cancer surgery. And he had recommended genetic testing. Again, even though I got the BRCA done, they repeated it. And then they did like another genetic panel just to like check for everything else. He did like a risk assessment. And based on my risk assessment score, I qualified for yearly mammograms and ultrasounds and uh, yearly MRI with contrast. So I do my mammograms in the spring with the ultrasound. And then I do my MRIs in the fall with contrast. I actually have to go on Monday for my MRI. And then I see him twice a year just for like 
a breast exam. And then obviously, like when I go to the gynecologist once a year, I get a breast exam there. So in terms of medical care, like once I like got to the right doctor, it was pretty easy. He kind of laid it all out for me. I don't qualify for preventative mastectomy just because I'm BRCA negative. But, you know, it was one of the things that he told me, like, if you want to be sure, like, or if you want to do it preventatively, just to be sure, like, even though you're negative, like your sister is negative also. So like, he kind of laid out a bunch of options for me. And what I decided to do is just twice a year monitoring. But you also felt at ease, right? That you were able to yeah, get so care. Originally, like when like how Shauna said earlier, trying to get the BRCA gene, but having insurance issues. The first time I tried to get it too, like it was like jumping through hoop to get insurance to cover it. This time around though, because I ended up with like a doctor who kind of knew, you know, like how to do like the risk assessment score. Like he knew right away that like once he sent everything in, like everything was going to get covered. And, you know, he kind of set everything up so that insurance wise, like, you know, I didn't have to worry about like trying to get everything covered. So it was nice, like finding a doctor that like took care of all that insurance stuff, sending everything in saying that, no, 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 this, is what's needed. And I didn't have to like fight with an insurance company for it. So, you know, I, I really like my doctor. I'm really comfortable with him, you know, and the care that he's giving me and like the options that he's giving me. So I'm glad that I went the route that I went and I have this doctor that's looking out for me. Right. And so because you said that the second time around, you went towards a surgical oncologist, I'm guessing like in your experience, that's what you would recommend other people who have like a sister or like have any family history to probably go towards a surgical oncologist and any other doctor, right? That's what was recommended to me from, so like the gynecologist sent me to a regular oncologist and because of the family history, she said, you, you're better off going with somebody that if you do in the future need surgery, you're already with this doctor, you already have a relationship with this doctor. So they kind of pushed me in that direction. I didn't choose it myself, but I'm I'm glad that that's what was recommended because I mean, even just as like a regular doctor that I have to see twice a year, like I'm very comfortable with, with him. Right. Also too, when I got diagnosed and I remember when, after I had gotten, um, you know, my mammogram and my sonogram and the, the doctor there had told me I had to make an appointment with a breast surgeon. I, I remember being like, this is so weird. Like, why am I not seeing an oncologist first? Uh, I don't know if you felt like that's good or because you just knew how it went like through me. So it was like a normal, or if you and I had had a conversation about it because you and I, when I first got diagnosed, like you were not somebody mm-hmm. that went to the doctor. You were not somebody that was doing all of this stuff before, you know, like, so I remember calling you and just like begging you and being and saying to you, um, you know, please, like if this can happen, you are what, 15, 16 months younger than I am. We're super close in age. Like if this happened to me, yeah. we grew up in the same house, you know, like we don't live in the same area now, but like we grew up in the same house. If that's what, yeah. what it is, like we grew up on Long Island. Like if that was, if it was like an environmental thing from just us where we grew up, up like, yeah, you lived in that house mm-hmm. too. Right. Same for Lenny. Like, so, you know, I, I, I remember having the conversation and being like, please just like you have health insurance. Like you have yeah. the means to, to take care of yourself, like, and pl- yeah. like, please do so. So I think that was also the big push to do it. Were you surprised about having to see like a breast surgeon before, like or having that be like the route that they asked you to take? Or did you not because of my situation, like how of my experience in me? Yeah, no, I, I was a little bit like skeptical about why, you know, like it made sense to me for like the gynecologist to send me to like a regular oncologist. That made sense to me. But for the oncologist to send me to a surgical oncologist, like that for me, I was like, why? Um, 
And then at that point, there was like some issues with like my first um, MRI and ultrasound. There was like an issue where they were supposed to do um, ultrasound like both breasts and they only did one. And I don't know, the ultrasound lady like made this whole announcement about how she doesn't understand why they're only doing one and it's unusual and it's not even the one that they normally do. So I was like weirded out. I'm like, wait a minute, is something like going on that like, you know, did somebody feel something and not say anything to me and just say, hey, like just go get, you know. So I was a little bit weirded about about that. And then for them to send me to the surgical oncologist, I was like, what? Did somebody just not say something? So I was a little bit weirded out by that. But once I got to the doctor, like and sat down with him and like kind of went over all the options, it made sense why she sent me to him because again, if I wanted to do like a preventative mastectomy, again, I'm already with this doctor. I already have a relationship. So at first it didn't. And I was, I was skeptical. And then, you know, I was a little bit nervous just because of like certain other circumstances that had gone on. But looking back, like it, it makes sense why, because Shawna was going through all her stuff. I kind of let the oncologist know like what her path was going to be like the double mastectomy, chemo, all that. Um, so like looking back, it makes sense. But at the time I was like a little bit nervous about why they were sending me to a surgical oncologist. And the process is overwhelming, right? Like it's like, okay, I'm going to my gyno mm-hmm. and I'm like seeing this other specialist. Yeah. Then they're sending me to a different specialist. Like, and then, then you have to have like the actual imaging done. So you like have, um, I like hope my experience of getting a mammogram didn't like scar you because I was like in pain, but I'm also like half the size that you are, but like, was that just where you didn't feel like nervous going? I guess I shouldn't say that. I know you had mentioned that it was painful for you just because you're on the smaller side. And I, you actually did tell me that like, it's a little bit more comfortable for like larger chested women. Not that it's like the most comfortable experience in the world, but I wasn't were nervous going in, but I think <laughs> it was actually kind of funny. Like when I went in, like the woman who was doing it, she was like an older woman, like very grandma, like, and she, just kind of seemed like shocked that I was there. That kind of like didn't really sent like set me at ease. <laughs> like her demeanor from like me, like like once she like called the name and like yeah. she saw it was me coming. I think like her demeanor changed a little bit. So like my demeanor changed a little bit. So like I went in with like a pretty good mindset. Like oh this is great. And then I think you know she was like she was great. Like mm-hmm. but I think when she realized like how young I was going in for this, like I think she was nervous like for me. <laughs> so. Um, but like once it got going and like I actually welcome like to our life. <laughs> I was just gonna say, welcome to our life. I know, like and I just had like a, a little taste. Like I honestly can't even imagine. Like and like just like the bouncing back and forth to the doctors, like you were saying, Shauna, like for me, like I wasn't going in there with a kit like with something that was already known. Like the process that you guys had to go do with all your doctors, like I again I can't even imagine. Like, especially me, somebody that like doesn't have to be like knocking on heaven's door for me to even like consider taking like a Tylenol. <laughs> like <laughs> so right. I'm not like somebody that like runs to the doctor for everything. It takes mm-hmm. a lot for me to get there. I think like having Shauna's experience of already going through most of that and her kind of sharing it with mm-hmm. me, like definitely helped put me at ease because I kind of knew what a little bit about what to expect. Um obviously like everybody's experiences are different, but um like that was nice having her tell me like how it went for her. So I kind of had some type of expectation. Lenny, you found a lump in your breasts. 
So as a male, how was your experience when you got it checked and what was the outcome? Oh, it was embarrassing. I was like, man, this is weird. And I, I put it off for a while because I was like, what the hell? And it really started to like affect my life. Like if I was doing something at work or like if, if anything touched my chest, I would like, it would hurt like hell. I was like, what the hell is going on? So I went and um, he was like, we got to remove it. I'm like... <laughs> I was like, are you serious? Like, really? It didn't make sense. I was like, what the heck? I'm kind of like Scooter. I don't go to the doctor unless I really have to. Like, it's not It's not a good thing. I just, it's just the way I am. And luckily, I found somebody because I had some insurance issues at the time. And I, I found someone who, like, it was like an angel on earth. It's this doctor in the town I live in that um, when I called his secretary and explained what happened, she'll like, oh, he'll take care of it. Don't worry about the insurance. I'm like, what do you mean he'll take care of it? And she's like, well, he does this thing where, like, you know, if you need, if you find someone in need, he'll provide a service and, like, he'll just take care of it. I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so I went and um, I actually had to work the same day it happened because no one could cover for me. And I didn't, like, want to explain what happened because I was embarrassed. I had to go after they removed it. And it was like, it hurt like hell. Like, they numbed me, but when it wore off, it was like a local procedure. I didn't go under or anything. And, um, waiting for those results was like weird i was like what the hell and like kind of like what shona said about our humor in my head i was like this is my freaking luck i'm gonna fucking get diagnosed with breast cancer as a fucking male like i was like so mad i was like this is the way i go out like are you kidding me <laughs> like just going really weird <laughs> i think i said i had to show so I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it was like right before Christmas that you got it removed. And then right after Christmas, like I was getting my sonogram and mammogram. So, I mean, like, right. it's funny, though, because when he told me he was really embarrassed about it, that he wouldn't even say it so that I thought it was a testicle thing. I was on like, like, <laughs> do you remember this? I was sending him, I sent you like a whole thing. I thought like, I thought it was a lump in his testicles. And like, I was on like Sloan Kettering's like website trying to like figure out tests and things for him to like go get checked in doctors. And I was sending him the information. And then finally, when he got it removed, I was like, wait a second, like, that was like a local thing. And then I re then he told me it was in his chest. But also at the time, Lenny was a trainer at Orange Theory. So that's why he said like when he hit him at work or like when he moved wrong. Even if like laying on my chest, like it would literally it would hurt. Like and I, I have a really high like tolerance for things. And luckily, like it came back negative and like, you know, waiting for the results was like mm -hmm. kind of awkward. You're just like, OK, here we go. And then like they were like, oh, yeah, it's you're fine. I was like, OK, cool. <laughs> It's weird because he told me that like the area would like heal. It if I press on it still like the the pain from what it was to what it is is obviously significantly different, but it still hurts. And I'm like, oh. I asked him and he said, I guess because he had the like it was whatever the hell it was was stuck to me. So like he was hoping when he cut me up that it was just gonna come yeah. out, but unfortunately he had to burn it off because it was attached to my my chest, my muscle. And I guess that like caused some scarring that is gonna take a while to heal, but that's okay. You know, it could be worse. Diving into just what chemo was like, Scooter. I know we talked about you had to take your sister to her chemo infusion. And so what was that like? And also if you can add in what you thought it would be. I mean, it definitely wasn't what I had expected. I mean, I had seen like, you know, from like TV and movies, like what chemo was portrayed as. And it's like, oh, a big room, everybody's sitting in chairs together. And it's like a, like a group activity type thing. 
I don't know if it was just like a COVID scenario, but we had like our own private little area. You know, she had like this really like comfy chair. There was like an area for me to sit. I didn't go to it, but I heard Matt talk a lot about like a snack or like a kitchen area. Snack room. Yeah, I did not partake, <laughs> um, but I heard about it. <laughs> um, this like the staff was was really great. Shauna had, I mean, the two times I took her, Shauna had like a really amazing nurse that put the cold cap on her. It was just, I don't know, she was just like very uh, like reassuring through everything. Like her and Shauna had like a really good like rapport, and I could tell like it. I feel like your medical staff makes a big difference in your comfortability, and I know Shauna like. Of all the nurses at the time that I went, she said, like, this one was the best. But it was hard because the first time I brought her was, I think, her last AC or, you know, second to last AC. And, like, the minute they brought that, like, big red syringe in, like, she just broke down. I think the anxiety of it, we were actually sitting there waiting for a while, too. Like, they were having, like, administration issues. They couldn't, like, check her drugs out of the pharmacy. So I think it was just, like, a lot of buildup. But also, like, you know, that was the one that, like, made her feel the worst. So she like did not react well to seeing it. And that was really hard to see because up until that point, like she'd been like very strong and like very put together and very much like, it's fine. It's going to be fine. Like trying to like reassure me through everything, which she shouldn't have to do. But that was, I think like one of the hardest things like for me to see. And I didn't like, I didn't know what to like say to, to comfort her. Cause what am I going to say? Like, Oh, it's, it's fine. You're going to be fine. I know how she was feeling after that really didn't know what to say in that moment to help her comfort her just because I knew how much like like how shitty that made her feel every time she got that particular drug so that was really hard that was like my last AC and that was like the big meltdown that I had it was the last yeah but I had the meltdown even before going into chemo I had the meltdown in my oncologist's office beforehand which I wasn't there I was sitting down in the lobby so I did I knew none of that So yeah, that was like post the bad meltdown of chemo. And then it was always the smell of the cap that would set off like, or it wasn't the syringe, the like seeing the red medicine wasn't it, but it was like the smell of the cold cap that set me just like straight into freaking out. Yeah. You felt some type of like nausea, right? Yeah. Like the, it was a very like heavy duty, like plastic smell that I mean, it just smelled terrible. I don't think it smelled like if I was to take it out like today, I don't think it would bother me as much. But I think in my head, it just, you know, it triggered, like you said, it triggered the anxiety. Like, you know, I have to go through this. And then, of course, AC was not kind to me. So, yeah, it was just like she probably came to the absolute worst chemo session of the entire 16 sessions the first time. Yeah. And the second one I I brought you too, Shauna, was a a breeze compared to the first one because I already kind of like knew what the expectation was. I already knew the nurse. I knew like what to do to like help her like because she had like the cord in. So we had to like get her socks on. We had to get like her Snuggie on. Like, you know, I didn't have to do the cold cap, but at least like I felt a little bit calmer knowing what to expect the second time around. So the second time was fine. Like no complaints whatsoever. Yeah. And you were on Taxol at that time. Right, Shana? Yes. And I tolerated that. Like I felt like a normal person on that. Um, and even going into Taxol, like I, I just, I knew I wasn't going to feel terrible. So I went into it obviously in such a different headspace than I did my AC treatments. So I think, yeah, definitely the second time that she came with me, it was like a much better experience because I was like probably joking around with the nurse. And I think I was awake for part of it. Was I awake for part of it at least? You like conked out like pretty quickly. I don't remember you being up for that long. Mm. 
did you guys both find it hard? You know, there was a pandemic and I was immune compromised and just like that level of like Lenny had said before, like being scared of like scared of coming around me and, you know, before the vaccine and even after the vaccine, I was still, you know, even everyone being vaccinated, like I was still immune compromised. You know, there was also like the Delta variant was around and pretty heavy midsummer. Did you guys find it hard, you know, to have to navigate that around me? Well, you're the only reason why I got the vaccine. Like, I not that I'm an anti-vaxxer. I just I didn't know anything about it, and then mm-hmm. I knew it would make you feel good. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just to not cause any rifts, or you know, I wanted to be around you without having to like cause an issue. It was scary to not like when my aunt had cancer, my aunt Marie, uh, lung cancer. We were around her all the time during treatment, and with Shona, it was like can I go near you? Am I allowed? Like what? And then like, God forbid, like I said, if something happened where if like one of us, God forbid, gave her COVID, like how could you, how could you forgive yourself for that? You know what I mean? It's like, it, I think it made it a lot worse. That's just my opinion. anyway. Mm-hmm. After knowing that your sister had cancer and she went through, you know, everything that she needed to survive. Lenny, have you seen a change in your sister? Yeah, I I think maybe it's fair to say she's like a little bit more cautious or like more um, protective of her energy as far as like who she's going to be around, what she's going to give energy to, which I think is really important. I hope she doesn't put up with anyone else's shit. I just hope that she just lives the way she wants to live and do things her way. You know, I think that's super important because I'm sure she had an experience where it's like, all right, this could have went really, really south really, really quick. So why spend time like not being happy or doing things that you want to do you know so that's what i can see yeah how about you scooter have you seen a change in your sister yeah i i would say definitely i mean she's always been like just like a very strong person but i just think like this is something that i say like stronger but i feel like she advocates for herself more like not just like medically but also just like in the rest of her life where i feel like she was always the one to be like yes, yes, yes. Like I'll, I'll take care of this. I'll take care of that. Like, I feel like she's now more focusing on like taking care of herself, which is nice to see just, you know, for somebody that always puts other people first, like it's nice to see them like shift the focus onto themselves. And that was nice to see. Scooter life after cancer doesn't stop. And there's always a fear of recurrence. Do you talk about this with Shauna? We've talked about like her post cancer treatment, um, and what her decisions are going forward in that regard. Um, you know, there's like other things going on, obviously, like other doctors she still has to see. Um, so we have talked about that and, you know, I, I respect her decisions with all that stuff. Um, you know, she needs to have, you know, quality of life and, um, you know, again, like, she can't do it for everybody else around her. She needs to do what makes her feel good and, you know, what's best for her. Um, so in that respect, yeah, we have spoken about, you know, her post-cancer treatments. Yeah, obviously, like I have shared with with Scooter a bunch on, you know, my decisions on, you know, not currently being on any hormone therapy. You, she got, I mean, she heard a lot of like my struggles and calling her up crying of, how much pain I was in all the time and how miserable I was. And I, I, like I said, I had a really hard time after treatment was finished and just trying to navigate that. So she got like quite a few phone calls of me just like really losing it and 
feeling really conflicted and not wanting like our dad to be upset by my choice or, you know, just like, what if this does come back? And am I going to be upset with myself? Like, am I going to feel like I let everyone else down other than myself? You know, like, obviously, I, I struggle with my own, like trying to make this decision on my own, but I just don't want, you know, other people, especially my family being like, well, she could have been on this medicine and she wasn't and she had a, you know, a recurrence and Scooter was really good about talking, you know, through that with me and just being like a listening ear and just being like, you know, you got to do what's good for you. But I do share my fears with her. I do share um, what's going on with her. I do share how scared I am sometimes and how like fearful I am of my health and the future. Yeah, I think it's really important to have that person that you can talk to about these things. And so happy that you have her in your life that you can talk to about these things because it's it's really scary. And like what you mentioned, Shauna, like you worry about like the recurrence and then um, maybe having regrets in the future if it did happen and then, you know, letting yourself down, letting your family down. And so you should make a choice based off of like what you think is best for you. And sometimes putting family stuff down on the bottom, right. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's, it's your body. Yeah. You know, you just, you just need to be firm about what you want and how you're feeling. Yeah. I feel like yeah. it's, easy for somebody who's not living it to have a bunch of opinions. Well, being heard, being heard is like a huge thing, I think, for, um, you know, anybody who has had like cancer and afterwards and navigating like your life post, you know, the medical trauma, really. And just being heard, I think, is is nice. And to, like you said, not have somebody that like judges you based on the choices you are making with your medical care is nice. It's nice to have that person that can be like a little, just like, I'm listening. I hear you. Like, I feel like, not I feel you, but like, I feel like, you. Know, I don't want to say like, she, under- I understand your decision. Right. Like just even yeah. just validating my feelings in this decision process is huge. Yeah. And I feel like pre-cancer Shauna may have made a different decision on this. So again, it goes back to like the change of like, advocating for yourself and putting yourself first and focusing on your body, your health, like your mindset. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that she didn't let other people sway that decision. I'm, you know, I'm happy that she stuck to what she felt was right for her and her body and her life. Lenny, what is the one moment you'll remember from this experience? I remember when she had her last treatment at chemo and um, it was the video of her like ringing the bell and she was like crying and stuff like that. That was like a little emotional to watch because, um, you know, I'm sure it was like a hard thing to get to. It was almost like a victory, like a victory lap, you know, in a race or something. So it was it was cool to see right. that moment on film. Yeah, it's funny because like I also got emotional when I saw her video. I didn't get emotional when I finished. It was nice <laughs> to know that like you also did it. I really like was like I amped myself up for the end of chemo too. So I think like when it came to that point, I just was an emotional basket case. I didn't plan on crying. It just really happened. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to save your three remaining eyelashes. Yeah, that guy was concerned though. That was, that was going to be it for me. Like there was going to be none. 
It was trying really hard to keep it together. We all went to lunch after two. We surprised yeah. her at a cheesecake factory. That was that was cool. Especially since Shauna doesn't like surprises, she handled it very well. Yeah. <laughs> True. Center of attention. It's great. Well, because nobody screamed too. Like you know, like when you go to a surprise party and everyone screams. Well, that I I made sure I was like nobody is allowed to <laughs> yell surprise. Like, not, she will leave. I was like, she will turn around and she will leave. I was like. Nobody say surprise. So she walked up to the table and I was like, hey. Nobody talked. It was so funny. <laughs> I cried from the time like I left chemo and I cried the entire way to the Cheesecake Factory. Like that was the only place I wanted to go after chemo was done. Like I was like, I'm go- we're going to the Cheesecake Factory. It's not even low key. I high key love the Cheesecake Factory. So I was like pumped. And yeah, so like nobody said it. And I like just continuously cried. I think I continuously cried through like half of the lunch. Like I got happy tears, but it was just like, I don't know if it yeah. was 20 weeks of chemo crying too. Like I just like, couldn't yeah. keep it together. It was a lot. It was a lot. And, um, I think we need to give a shout out too, because um, her best friend set up a, a page for yeah. her. Uh, for people. Yeah. The GoFundMe. Yeah. And um, the support that I saw from the community, like it was really great like i can only imagine how she felt because that's like such an overwhelming like show like i know money isn't everything but obviously when you go through something like this and you can't work like yeah money is a big factor and like we don't we don't come from families of like financial like you know wealth like that to just like throw oh hey here don't worry about it like no like that's real like oh how are you gonna pay for rent how are you gonna do this how are you gonna do that and like the amount of support she got was crazy to see and it was like that doesn't happen to everybody. You know what I mean? Like you have to be someone really special to like have that many people willingly do everything and anything they can. Like, it's just a testament to who she is as far as like her nurturing and like caring self that so many people Mm -hmm. like were so selfless when this happened. It was really great to see. It was like, yeah, that's my sister. (laughs) I mean, it was cool. So, and the meal train too. the meal train was really helpful during her recovery from surgery yeah that was nice it was nice to like not have to think about like matt and i are constantly like where do you want to eat like it was just like people were like oh here we got you a gift certificate to this sandwich place in astoria like it's just like Mm -hmm. nice so scooter i don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add on to that i feel like letty just took the stage (laughs) well that was gonna be mine but i mean i guess if we want to talk about like the humor funnier side one thing that i'll like never forget is when she got home from um the hospital from her double mastectomy and our dad picked her up from her and matt up from the hospital and i was waiting at her apartment and we're like getting her into bed and getting her like all positioned with like her wedges and her pillows and everything and she had asked me to help her like fix her her like velcro bandage (laughs) So I'm like, she like took her shirt off and obviously she's like all wrapped up and bandaged. And our dad was there. Like, oh, let me, uh, let me just go in the other room real quick. So you guys have some privacy. Shauna goes, it doesn't matter. Nothing to see here anyway. Like, and, oh, and I lost it. I was hysterical. And he just like didn't know what to say. So he was just like, uh, and just left the room. I was dying yeah. laughing. I could not contain myself. And I think at that point I was like, that was when I was like, I'm, I feel good to joke about this now. Like, <laughs> so that was a moment. That was a moment. That was, yeah. I will never forget. Cause she was obviously like not feeling the, the greatest, like moving her was like, mer- moving her was so difficult. Like Matt and I were lifting her and like, 
it was just such like a hard, like another one of those like hard moments where I'm like, I'm trying to help you, but I'm making it worse because you're in so much pain. And then that just like came out of her mouth. I was like, oh my God. I literally like, <laughs> dad was just like gone. He like, and Shona had a small apartment at the time. He could not have like gotten out of <laughs> I don't even remember this, to be honest. I, I, don't know, I was probably like, so I, out I of like, it. We need to stop. I was like, I can't help like, you. Like, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. That's a thousand percent <laughs> something would come out of my mouth. <laughs> I, I lost it. I lost it. It was so funny. So Scooter, Shauna mentioned that Christmas was canceled last year. <laughs> Did you think that was funny or were you like confused? I 1000% understood why Christmas needed to be canceled. <laughs> um, and also it was just, I mean, I wasn't even in like a, a Christmassy mood last year either. So it was, it was nice. Like, again, like I feel like you know, Shauna can say certain things <laughs> to the family and it's taken a, a different way than if I said Christmas was canceled. So it was kind of nice to like piggyback on, on her and just be like, yeah, Shauna says Christmas is canceled. So Christmas <laughs> yeah. is canceled. I think that was like one of the biggest meltdowns of the year. Like looking back at the grand scheme of things, just being, I mean, I had a lot going on. I was like trying to finish radiation. I was trying to move. Like it was just, and it, the way it came out of my mouth was like, just like, I felt like, I don't even know. Like it was like the Grinch. I was like, Christmas is canceled. Like it was just done. Like I didn't, it was not open for discussion. It was just dead done. That was it. And now my, my brother just thinks it's so funny. It's like Christmas. He'll like say something and be like, Christmas is canceled. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. Shona is like the definition of a Leo. Like right. she's like upset. Like it's just permanent. Like for that moment it's intensified, you know what I mean? And like, like not into something. It's just, it's hysterical. Like my whole life, like it's just, I love that. It's just hysterical to me. And she, um, I knew like it, if she really yeah. said like, Christmas is canceled. It's like, it's not even up for discussion, no negotiation. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, so I know you guys already talked about like happy moments, but were there any others that you wanted to mention? The cancer patient Instagram page was extremely helpful throughout all this. <laughs> it's so good. Even even today, I read one and I was dying. I think I sent it to you. You did, yeah. We also have an uncle that was diagnosed with uh, prostate cancer, right? I, I think around the same time Shauna was diagnosed and we got him on that as well. So now we send them to him. Yeah, the cancer patient is the gift that keeps on giving. Long say that. Well, I, I will always just have a sense of gratitude. Like, I'm grateful that it was found early. You know what I mean? Obviously, I wish it didn't happen, but it did happen. But at least it was caught early and that, you know, she did everything she could possibly do to prevent it, to take care of herself. You know what I mean? And she fights every day. And I'm grateful that she has that fighting spirit. That, that's something I'll take away, too. Just gratitude of um, the medical, like, stuff that's able to help people in her situation. You know what I mean? So that's always good. Science. We're grateful for science. We're grateful, we're grateful for science. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Because <laughs> then we'll probably be dead, <laughs> to be honest, if it wasn't for science. Well, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Think about that. Like, yeah. there's so much yeah. research. You know, I'm yeah. grateful for that. You know. Thank you guys for coming on and and you know spending an hour of your time on the weekend to to talk about this and how it affected you and, and me obviously, but I'm just like grateful that I have you guys and I had you guys throughout my entire 
experience and diagnosis and treatment and still have you guys now and hopefully for a very, very fucking long time after this. So thank you guys. Love you. Thank you all for listening and supporting our podcast. Sharing our stories with you has been incredibly healing for both of us. And we hope it helps other women in their journeys through breast cancer. Ladies, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and fellow breasties. Help us reach more women by subscribing and rating us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now on YouTube. You can follow us on Instagram at TYFTS Podcast and email us at TYFTS Podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys, so shoot us a message. We will link any resources from the episode in our show notes. 